Ayushi Mona and you're listening to India Booked, a podcast where we lean into the idea of India through its literature and we speak to authors who bring this to life. Vikramjit Singh Ruprai is the author of Delhi Heritage, Top 10 Bawalis. For those of you who don't know Bawalis as Stephan, in October 2009, he started his journey with Delhi's heritage by visiting Rajonki Bawali in Delhi. His fascination began there and it took him five years to reach a stage where he could write a book. The project is fascinating. In a time where we only look at large monuments such as forts and complexes, Bawalis or stepwells are an important piece of Indian architecture and history that is not often discussed. Listen to this episode of India Book with me Ayushi Mona and my guest Vikram Deet Singh Rai to learn more about Bawalis and the fascination that they bring to the Indian landscape of architectural heritage. have with me Vikramjeet Ruprai. Vikramjeet Singh Ruprai is an educator, a heritage activist and author. He has led a very interesting life. So he started out as a freelance developer, uh, went to work for multiple clients without any formal college degree per se. Post which in 2009, he started researching on Delhi's heritage and left his job five years back to become a full-time activist. Vikram's journey is, is very interesting and, and something that we don't often hear of in stream. You know, as most authors tend to be either academicians or trying to hold on to their job while they write and pursue their passion projects. I'm sure you listen to a lot of interesting things today. Welcome with the show, Vikram. Thank you, Ayushi. So, Vikram, I, before, uh, you know, diving into anything else, your book, Delhi Heritage and uh, Top 10 Bawalis, right? For a lay person, what is a Bawali? So, um, my book is about the steppels or the Bawalis of Delhi. And even when I started researching about this uh, particular uh, topic, I had no idea what a Bawali is. And when I saw my first, the first Bawali in my life, all I saw was that there are few steps and there is a water pond. So the first thing that came to my mind was, okay, they needed water and they had a water little below the ground level. So they made steps to it. But then as I got into it and I started uh, doing my research uh, for the purpose of the book, obviously, I realized that Bauli is not just a water pit. There is so much science, there is so much physics that gets into it. You know, I was able to recall many of the concepts that I've studied in class 5 and 6. The movement of sun, the position of that uh, Bauli on the planet, that it goes up to that level. So, in a layman terms, Bauli is basically groundwater, which is at its level only, just that we have created a very wide well and steps to reach that underground water level. That's the simplest definition that I can give. So, are all Bawalis step wells then, if, if I understand correctly, or uh, or can there be other forms of architectural heritage? For instance, are some of them used as complexes, as forts? What, what is the sort of purpose that they have served through history in, you know, in our monuments? As far as Bawalis are concerned, they were only used to fetch water. Now, if it is inside a fort, all forts have Bawalis. 
uh, all villages have baulis or wells so if it is a small village they would just create a well but if it is a large village or it's a, it's a town they would create one or multiple baulis because more people need to access and for in case of a well diameter is very small and not like if, if there are like 50 60 people who are at that moment standing there to fetch water well becomes very tedious and difficult process to uh, arrange water for everybody so baulis they made wider baulis everybody can just walk down the steps fetch buckets take a bath do half their chores over there and just whatever water is required for drinking they would fetch that and come out so and actually water for drinking was not fetched right from that spot wells so all uh, baulis when we talk about delhi have a attached well now this whole thing comes into picture uh, we have been using baulis for different purposes so one is just for fetching water that's the well part of the bauli and the main tank part of the bauli where which was used for bathing washing and other chores where water is required other than that these many of these baulis had rooms attached to them and now these are underground structures so uh, the rooms that were made the chambers that were made underground they were actually there was a temperature drop because of the moisture that was there in the ground now because of that during harsh summers people would come and take uh, you know rest under these uh, sheds in under these arches and arches are also important because they would give strength to these walls that's what they were doing however we also have example of a bauli like red fort where uh, these arches the rooms that were made on the side were converted to a prison by the british and uh, the three brave soldiers of uh, swashchandar bose indian national army chasegal shanawas dillo gurbakh sorry gurbakh singh dillo shanawas hussain and prem segal ji these generals were actually confined in the red fort bauli and that's when we had that uh, uh, slogan also ki lal kile se uthi awaaz sehgal dhillo shan awaaz it got very famous in 1945 so baulis had multiple roles to play this is also fascinating and you know what is and of course you talk about that moment in 2009 you know when you went to check out a bauli and and then it really changed your life if i were to call it that and, and you've done so much Definitely, because I the first bauli that I saw was Rajonki bauli, uh, which was in Mehroli Archaeological, which, which is in Mehroli Archaeological Park. And when I went there, it, a beautiful structure, all dried up, and I went down all the way four stories deep. So one story is roughly ten to twelve feet. So this, uh, or actually these are these are slightly higher. So somewhere between twelve to fifteen feet is the height of each level. So in a way, I was like for fifty to sixty feet. underground which is like a four story building and there was very little water over there and as of today this bauli is completely filled all the way up till top can only get like in uh, on three or four steps and then there is water so this whole transition i've seen but when i saw it for the first time i was so fascinated i was i kept going down 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 and i thought okay this must have been a water pond or tank or something but now it has dried up and later i realized that people call it rajon ki bauli and uh, people think that some king built it so it's called rajon ki bauli no it is not rajaon ki bauli it is rajon ki bauli because it was of raj mistries the masons jo karigar ghar banate hain so people who are constructing these buildings and all they are called raje or raj mistri in the local language and they used to live inside so this was more of their colony because it has so many arches two levels and three levels they have arches and they have proper rooms and the several families were living inside this one small structure you know while you talk i unfortunately uh, we can't experience this right while we talk but i almost feel as if i am on a walk 
and I'm walking fast and you're explaining this to me. So it's, it's really fascinating. And I hope to anybody who's listening to this podcast uh, that they get this sense because that's the sense that I get. And then I think perhaps for me, it's, it's a little more personal uh, because uh, I grew up in Delhi and I live very close to Nizamuddin and uh, my school was in Lodi Garden. I studied at Siddharth Patel and just that rasta between Lodi Road <laughs> to my house used to be flush with monuments. And I think that's one of the most wonderful things about living in Delhi. I, I no longer live there. But to me, it is a city of monuments, right? And of course, every city has its own architectural heritage, right? Bombay has its art deco buildings, um, you know. Uh, but just the regal and, and just the uh, sort of impressive... Um, forward that you know these monuments inspire in in somebody who's witnessing them is, is fabulous you have also have a website vikram called monumentsofdelhi.com would ask you to tell us a bit about it and in case any of you are listening to this podcast please check out monumentsofdelhi.com if you could just tell a bit about the photography club and and you know your work you know with heritage so, uh, monumentsofdelhi.com was the first uh, uh, site that I created back in 2009 itself when I started uh, my journey. And I, my idea was to list all the monuments that we have in Delhi. Unfortunately, I have not been able to work on it properly. And uh, this is like one of my most incomplete projects, I would say. Uh, so far, I've only been able to put about 300, 350 monuments on that. And that also only the list. And with the location. So if you go there, you'll find some 350 monuments with their exact locations and names. Uh, my idea was to put all 1300 monuments. We have got, I've got a list of 1300 monuments of Delhi. But I've not been able to compile that list properly and put on it with photographs and history. It's a, a time-consuming process beyond my calculation. I mean, I thought I was, I'll, I'll be able to do it within a year or two or five. It has been 10 years now and I've not been able to finish it. Other than that... Uh, the one thing that took a lot of time was which, on which I spent more than a year. Just on that one page is a list of kings that I have put on that website. So if you go to monumentsofdelhi.com, you have a menu tab which says rulers. Under the rulers, you get the kings that have ruled over Delhi. And the, to compile this list, because before 1500 BC, this was known as Khandapras. And then the Pandavas came, they established Indraprast for which uh, exactly who were the kings and what there is a this is again a debatable topic because some people consider them mythology some people consider them history so i couldn't go too deep into that however uh, when delhi was established by anandpal tomar from where we have actual written history available and all the inscriptions and everything from there i have tried to trace everyone from 736 to uh, 2020 where mr ramnath kovind is the president of india so after see rajagopalachari seat moves to Dr. Rajendra Prasad. So I've continued with the presidents before that governor generals and all the 2022 Mughal emperors, whereas people only know the names of six Mughal emperors and maybe seven if you include Bahadur Shah Zafar. Uh, people never talk about kings like Farooq Siyar, Rafiul Darjad, Rafiul Dalat. So what exactly I did was I started Delhi Heritage Awareness Club where I wanted people to know about these and nobody was interested to uh, you know, raise their awareness about Delhi. So I changed the name. I started calling it Delhi Heritage Photography Club. And I told people, if you come with me, uh, I'll show you nice sites where you can go and click pictures and you'll get a lot of likes. That was when Facebook was catching up. 
So for those likes, everybody came in, and today we have got about twenty-five, thirty thousand members. That's wonderful. Actually, you know, um, sorry for uh, trying to jump in in the between, but I was actually had opened uh, the website in parallel, you know. and i was just going through it and i can see everyone from say tomar rajput who made uh, delhi uh, like a anagpal tomar who made uh, uh, delhi his capital to a kutubuddin ebak to uh, you know a muhammad bin tughlaq to a dalat khan lodi to a shiri right this entire list absolutely mind boggling um to till day to even see and and you listed the presidents of independent india as well and everyone from say the house of windsor to the house of hanover so so the the marquess of lansdowne to the earl of elgin lord curzon they're all right here and it's just very fascinating and i feel like very enthused just looking at it i was wondering uh, vikram you are you are an it consultant turned heritage activist right and um, how did that i mean of course that switch happened due to the interest but how has your own personal journey say while writing the book right or, or your knowledge of architecture or history been shaped um by by what you do i i presume you read a lot about this and i uh, i mean of course you're so invested but really how did you sort of come to terms with perhaps uh, other people in this arena who are more intellectual than and you know who are more academic let me call it that who are more academic and your approach is very hands on to actually preserving and visiting heritage and and mobilizing people See my entire journey right from my childhood has been like that. I, when I was in class six, I started learning computer programming. When I reached class twelfth, I was actually developing software and selling them. So I never had to do graduation because I got a job after that, after twelfth only. Though I tried to get into some more professional courses and all, but uh, uh, I got job on the basis of what I had learned between class six and twelfth, those six years. so uh, during my job i attempted graduation and uh, post graduation that's a different thing but i was able to reach heights wherever i could became uh, you know rise senior management position was heading uh, the research innovation division for a multinational entire asia pacific was under me and that's when i thought that what after this and at a point that became quite boring also so i tried to develop a hobby which where i can invest some time heritage kind of stumbled i got just stumbled upon heritage and when i started reading this became one of those hobbies where i could have invested maximum time and i enjoyed that the only thing was that the information that i needed was not available so when someone told me why don't you write a book i was reading a lot i purchased many english books i started reading them and i was talking to people and then i got associated with archaeological survey of india because when i started there was only one group that was doing heritage walks in delhi there were no heritage walks and this one group was mostly dealing with foreigners so they told me that you can also get into this and since i was already running my photography club people were coming with me for heritage walks asi kind of supported me uh, mr kk mohammed uh, was the head of delhi circle back then he gave me a lot of support all the permissions whatever i required i used to submit a letter he made sure that every permission is given to me quickly Uh, as per the law and we could go and click monuments now that actually opened some doors and then when i was when i used to come back and ask uh, asi people certain questions they would 
you usually put me in touch with some historian or someone that you go and ask them we don't have the answer so similarly what happened once uh, asi uh, asked me to do a photo documentation of kutub minar for them they needed photographs of entire kutub complex but in such a detail that their own photographer at that time was not able to give them the kind of stuff that they needed so when i went there uh, mr suhail hashmi was sitting there and i was introduced to him in kutub minar and he told me a lot of things and that's how i got associated with suhail sahab he is one of the best historians that i have met along with narayan gupta ma'am who used to be the professor of history in delhi university through suhail hashmi sahab i got introduced to narayan gupta ma'am and then many this entire network of historians i used to sit with them i used to come up with my questions i would come up with the question like why is this much portion of a different color and why this portion is of different color give me proof of that the list of kings i remember i was sitting uh, with suhail hashmi sahab at his home and i was discussing that i've got this list of kings which i have to put on my website and then he said no this list is not proper so he pulled up some old urdu book and he showed me some information from there there is there was this one story in that book which mentioned of a king who was there only for few days so then i added that name also later when i was doing my research on baulis newgi books came to me and said okay uh, you want to publish your work i said yeah i can do it on baulis first i want to do a top 10 series and uh, in case of baulis that would be easiest i just need two three months because i know the names of all the baulis 30 32 baulis are there in delhi i know their names i know their story i know their location another thing and i just have to write about top 10 so three months four months or maybe six months i'll finish my work after six months i realized that i couldn't even write about a single bauli because when you have to write in a book you have to find that information from authentic sources and the sources were not available and my information was all through blogs and wikipedia and all this which even i was not very much comfortable with so i read more books i consulted with more historians and i figured out that even then after uh, then in almost two years passed and i couldn't find that information actually one and a half year, one and a half year later so what i did i started learning urdu because i found out that the information that is required is available in urdu books and which have never been translated books from 1800s 1900s and some of the farmans are available in persian so i learned urdu then i got a persian dictionary to make myself comfortable with persian so i could read those farmans because the script is same then i purchased all those urdu books then i got my hands on to those persian uh, certain certain persian documents in this process i also found a japanese book there was some research done by university of tokyo and during that time the head of uh, unesco's culture wing in delhi was a japanese and i was good friends with her so she also helped me read some of those that japanese text and she put me in touch with some other people who were able to read japanese and they helped me i got in touch with the uh, deputy ambassador of japan who's stationed in kolkata he was able to help me so i got you know the moment you start to walking in a direction the way they say that you know nature kind of conspires to help you exactly that happened with me i was struggling with languages and records in different languages and people just came forward to help me so it took me complete 5 years to produce just a 170 page small micro book i would say with 10 baulis but at least i can say that whatever information is available over there is authentic because the amount of research and hard work that has went into it i eventually left my job and dedicated full time to my research side by side i became a teacher because i needed bread and butter also so i started teaching in few schools and continued with my research 
बट इट्स फैसिनेटिंग एंड यू नो आई थिंक वॉट यू सेड राइट दैट यू नो यू वंस यू स्टार्ट थर्ड ऑफ वॉकिंग ऑन अ पाथ राइट डोर्स ओपन यू मीट पीपल यू लर्न थिंग्स and and this journey really is uh, about taking the first step and and it's very interesting how community and people around us really rise up to the occasion you know and and the work has also i mean of course there's an element of getting to know and preserve india's culture and heritage right but uh, these bawlis are also very interesting because they're water bodies right with modern water circulation system we live in a world where we are constantly uh, discussing and talking about water shortages world war whatever is going to be on water and these structures and there's so many of them i i was reading reviews of your book vikram and and there were people who said that i didn't i did not know rk puram mein bawli hai you know <laughs> yeah i know uh, people you know when they come with me like uh, you mentioned that you cross lodi garden for a long period okay Lodi Garden has a bawli. See, that's what I'm saying. It's fascinating once you get to know. So I so my book launch was an intact, and before my book launch, I was there for another session, and the. Uh, Uh, no, uh, not not in tech. My my book launch was in IIC India International Center, and I was in IIC for another uh, event. Uh, I was supposed to be on stage with the director of IIC, and uh, the director and I we were just chatting before the session. They had arranged tea for all the panelists in one corner, and I said, "Sir, where we are standing from here, I can see that spot where I know there is a bawli, but it is all buried now because the British Lady Willingdon, when she converted Kharpur to Lady Willingdon Park, she buried the bawli of that." village and we have records in the uh, what this the, the urdu books we have the records in the english books there is only one book from 1909 which has this mention because after 1912 they started covering it up they started moving people out because now this whole area was supposed to be new delhi so the later records don't mention it the early records mention it and we have the exact location also where it is if india international center can make some effort and it is right next to your wall I mean, I, I'm on first floor. I can even see that spot. So he said, "Yeah, uh, he's a, he was quite interested." He said, "Okay, I'll, we will take it up and we'll see if we can re, re, uh, bring it out and we can dig it up and restore it. We'll talk to the government." But then uh, I couldn't follow up again, and I don't think that was ever taken up. No, I I understand, but but the um, I think the beauty of this is right that even if you make one person aware or you make ten people aware or you make hundred people aware, at some point there's going to be an inflection point of someone who decides to do something about it. Like ASI, for instance, has recently restored a lot of bawlies, if I'm not uh, uh, mistaken, and, and the just the awareness, right? Uh, is a lot so. A lot of us now say Ugrasen ki bawli because there is a certain prominence it has in culture. Uh, people are like, oh, we saw Amir Khan sit on the steps of uh, uh, the Ugrasen ki bawli in PK, and, and these are the little little ways in which uh, culture seeps into our lives, you know. But really, it's uh, to me, it's about uh, seeing um, heritage and being aware of it. And and sometimes I like to joke about this uh, when I when I was. in a previous professional role i used to work at a bank before i got employed by them i never noticed their atms but the moment i started working i would say that ye is inki 
doesn't fit the reader. So everybody has his or her own taste. Now, if I talk about you, is there any particular area that fascinates you? Any region that you would you may want to start reading from? Let's take your example, Ayushi. I have always been very fascinated by the Jolas. I think there's a lot of, uh, I mean, I am more familiar with Northern history because things like Mughals, etc. You know, but I don't, I know nothing about the like heritage and architecture of South India besides temple architecture. Okay, uh, then in that case, I'll answer that only. Now, uh, when you say about Chola dynasty, the region that they were, now, Chola dynasty covers a large part of southern India and uh, the extension of Chola dynasty comes all the way touches Bengal, Odisha, rather. And if you want to read this entire belt, just remember, in southernmost tip, they are using Tamil. Then comes Telugu. Then comes Odia. So there are three languages, three primary language families with their multiple dialects. And we are talking about an era which goes from 300 BC to 1200 AD. It's it's a it's a very long period where uh, different in, in different forms this was there. Now, if you need to read or understand this entire thing properly, the best would be to understand the language first. If you are not able to read the original language, so if you are studying the Tamil part of it, you have you have to have an understanding of Tamil language or the basics of it. Otherwise, the translation can never do justice. That's my first point. Yes, you just as a beginner or just as a hobbyist, you can pick up any general book about history, read it, but keep in mind, it will never give you a correct or a thorough picture. How I can explain this better is in Andaman, when tsunami came, people were, there was very less uh, loss of human life or animals in certain tribal areas of Andaman where even the you know mail from mainland india we are not even communicating with jirava tribes and other tribes of uh, northern andaman uh, the sentinel islands and all these but there was very less damage of human life or animal life or even material why because they had specific words in their language pertaining to tsunami which we did not have so they were able to predict tsunami just by looking at the weather and the movement of sea that when sea started receding they were able to raise an alarm and we had no idea what to say we just said Pani Piche Jara. Nothing beyond that. Or Kisiko Samajinaya. And when people said tsunami is coming, tsunami is coming, it's a Japanese word. Even person like me had to go on a Google dictionary and find out what the hell is tsunami. What kind of magnitude does it contain? We had no idea. And people suffered. But Andaman did not suffer. As in the, the people that those those tribal areas I'm talking about. Indra Point vanished for a long time, but the northern islands were safe just because of this one thing. So language plays a very important role. So my only point is that if you want to read history in its true sense, please uh, try to study the basics of the language of that area, of that period also if possible. If not, then try to pick up a book that has been translated at least 100, 200 or 300 years back. It is more closer to what you have today. And yes, the language would change, the whole narrative would change with time. And that is one reason when I started reading about Baulis, I picked up Tariqe Firoshai, I picked up Babar Nama. I went to Rampur Raza library so I could get the original uh, manuscript. They have got the, the facsimile of the manuscript I was able to purchase from there. The oldest one that we have of Tariqe Firoshai, of uh, the Bernese records, of Babar's record, of Ibn Batuta's records. These kind of uh, books, although the language at that time, I couldn't understand properly, but I took help from a lot of people, sat with them, debated with them, and developed my narrative. So that's the difference between a, a hobbyist reader or thorough researcher. 
and for you you have to find a middle path on your own wherever you get satisfied i think it's been an absolutely fascinating conversation vikram i don't know where half an hour flew it just feels <laughs> like i started this conversation 5 minutes ago i want to thank you for doing this it's been a pleasure and an honor and i've learned so much and i will continue to learn so much because of this conversation that we had thank you ayeshi thank you i'm i'm glad to be here even i enjoyed it thoroughly and for everyone listening into this podcast guys please go grab a copy of vikramjeet singh rupraj's book it is an amazing guide to understanding monuments um it not only has structural drawings direction it even has gps coordinates uh, that you can you know perhaps uh, go and use after the lockdown but till then read the book learn more about bauli's temples and the indigenous architecture of you know india and how uh, they played a role in our history and our culture um i recommend this book to anybody whether you're a student whether you're a lay person who's never read anything about history whether you're just someone who enjoys traveling uh, vikram's book is out on amazon it's available in independent bookstores pick it up from wherever you get your books from and uh, and have a great time reading and exploring and learning do not forget to tune into us on spotify google podcasts Apple Podcasts, Ghana and HT Smartcast.